Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm Carrick Butler. I lead Faith Christian Center right here in Austell, Georgia. Thank you for tuning in today. I believe today's message is going to equip you and empower you to make Jesus famous in your everyday life. As you listen, something good is going to happen to you. So listen up to the message, apply it, and I'll talk to you after today's message. That's how you have to pray for your kid's school. Because you can make all the laws you want to, but you can't legalize out a demon. You can take away every weapon. But if that person is possessed, they'll find a way. So you can make every law. I'm not into the politics of, well, well should we have more restrictions here, more, more common sense legislation? I'm not talking about that. Let the talking heads run their mouths all day because that's what they do. They can't stop the demons, but you can. See, the church of the, the, church of the Lord Jesus Christ is the only group on earth that has access to heaven's assistance anytime they want it. The U.S. government can't stop a demon. All of our military power cannot stop a baby demon. But if the church actually starts acting like the church and just says, no, 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 you can't come into my neighborhood, no. See, we have to learn how to expand our authority from just our house and start affecting the next house. Faith is great when you learn to work it for you, but it's even better when you learn to work it for somebody else. You have to use your authority. But if you're always afraid, you won't use your authority. You'll get punked by the devil for the rest of your life. You need to use your authority. Hebrews 2.14, that's where we're going. For much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he, Jesus, also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy, that word destroy means to render idle, unemployed, inoperative, him that had the power or the force, might, and dominion of death, that is, the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. The word deliver means to release or set free. The fear of death is the master fear. So imagine this way. There's a chain with many different chains. The big chain, the strongest chain, is the fear of death. And the fear of death, the master fear, is the master fear that Satan uses to enslave the world. So think about this. People who are afraid of heights, you're not really afraid of heights. You're afraid of falling and dying. People who are afraid of water, you're not afraid of water. You're afraid of sinking and drowning and dying. It's the fear of death that's behind it. So well, I'm afraid of not having a job. Well, let's take that a little bit further. You're not just afraid of not having a job because some of you don't want to work in the first place. <laughs> You're not afraid of not having a job. <laughs> You're afraid of not having money. And if you don't have the money, you don't have a place to live. And so you're exposed to the elements and you die. Or you're afraid not have enough money to eat or drink, and then you dehydrate and you starve and you die. So the root of a lot of fear is death. Even people who are afraid of bugs. Now, you may not like bugs. I actually don't like bugs. It's different not liking it and being afraid of it. See, my wife doesn't like bugs, so she makes me kill them all. 
And because, you know, I'm unique, if you know me personally, you know I'm just an interesting person. And so when he says, hey, can you go kill this bug? I'm like, well, what happened to all your Beyonce songs? Who run the world, girls? Can you kill the bug? And then I go and kill the bug. But <laughs> there's a difference not liking something and being afraid of something. So, but when you're afraid of things, the root behind it is you think somehow it's going to kill you. So through the fear of death, Satan enslaves the world. And some of the things people are afraid of are actually, when you look into the light of the scriptures, it is really, really silly. See, I remember this friend I went on a mission trip with, and there was a group of us, and I'm telling you, she could cast out devils like it was nothing. She'd just be casting out devils, just dealing with it, just dealing. One time I jumped and said, ooh, can I do it? Because, you know, you've been having all the fun casting out devils. I want to cast out a few. She had it like it's nothing. She got outside and saw a dog and was scared because there's a lot of straight dogs that ran around in that city where I said, whoa, 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 whoa. You just cast out 35 demons, but you're scared of Fido? But when we look at things in the light of the scripture, anything we're afraid of is actually really silly when you consider who lives on the inside of you. Jesus came to render Satan unemployed so that he could no longer hold you as a slave to fear. Fear is an enemy. Fear is an open door to Satan. Fear is a chain. Go to Revelation chapter 21, verse 8. Let's take a little bit further. Fear is not healthy for you. It's also interesting how whole families can be afraid of the same thing. That's because you pass down the fear. So you pass down the spirits of fear with it. You see, you know, one of the things when I hear Jeremy Pearson preach about growing up in the house of faith, some of his stories kind of remind me of some of my own. Because I said I grew up in the word of faith. I grew up in faith. And so, you know, in the, growing up in the house of faith, you're not allowed to cuss, but you weren't allowed to talk fear either. You know, I didn't know. I think I told my parents, we were like, well, what was worse, cussing or saying I'm afraid? I say, it's not, you know, growing up was kind of equal. See, my parents had the Charles Capps book in their purse or in their pocket growing up. They had the word with them everywhere. And so... When, you know, we were kids, and you know, kids sometimes have nightmares. Sometimes they wake up afraid. Most kids do. But they didn't like, oh, it's okay. That was nothing. Just go back to bed or, you know, stay in here. That's not how they handled it. So they would wake up with us, and they would turn on. Some days it might be salty. Now, some of you who are newer to the kingdom, if you grew up in the house of faith, you may remember this giant blue singing psalm book. And he would sing these songs of praise. And so there would be some days they would have us watch that. And they said, don't just watch it. Sing those words. Get the word in your spirit right now. Sing it with them. What do they teach us? Fight fear. Fear is not allowed. Beat it. There was other songs by Carmen, a guy named Carmen. And he had one song called No Monster. And it was talking about how kids can handle the spirit of fear. And so what were we doing? We were speaking the word to fear so that we grow up without fear. That we grow up with faith. See, it's very simple when it comes to fear. If you hand me my prop. It's very simple, and this is a very simple prop to help you get the very simple point. When it comes to fear, stop it. Don't allow it, not a little bit, 
Not an inch. Stop it. Stop fear in its tracks. So when it comes to fear, what do you need to do? When it comes to fear, what do you need to do? And especially, we have to watch out for our kids in October. Because in Halloween, what are they doing? They're celebrating fear. So you, you already pay attention to everything watch, but you're doubly paying attention. Because it could seem like a normal TV show, but all of a sudden, something crazy pops up. Like, no, we don't do this. You know, we watch, you know, our kids, our apps. A lot of them don't watch TV. They watch the iPad or their phone or whatever. And so you watch the app. You know, I saw one app that my kid likes to watch, like to watch and then the Halloween thing kept on. Like, oh, I'll be so glad when this month is over. And so there were certain episodes, nope, you're not watching that. And now she's three, so she can say with me, we don't do Halloween. We don't do that. We don't do ghosts. We don't do witches. We don't do warlocks. We don't do goblins. We don't do demons. No, we don't do that. No, that's not us. We don't do fear. We resist the fear. We don't allow the fear. Because fear is not a friend. It's an enemy. Fear is a chain. Fear is an open door. And you need to be free from fear. Now let me show you something else about fear. Revelation 21 verse 8. But the fear for what? The who? Some of you read the scripture already, so you kind of mumbled on that. So what does it say again? It said, but the who? And the unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and the whoremongers and the sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Who's the first group? The fearful. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be part of any group that burns forever. Atlanta is hot enough for me. I've been to the Middle East. I've lived in Texas. Atlanta's hot enough for me. I don't want to be with any group that burns forever, so I don't want to keep company with a group that is going to burn forever. Now you might think, well, why would Jesus start out with the fearful? Another way that is translated is the cowardly. Why? There are some people who won't choose Jesus because they're cowards. They're fearful. They'd rather stay in their life of sin. They'd rather stay with the devil than make a stand and be brave for Jesus. So they know the truth, but they stay full of fear. And so because they choose to hang out with the devil, they end up with him. I don't want to be a part of any group that burns forever. You know, I'm tanned enough. I'm good. Fear is an enemy. Let's go to Romans 8. Fear is not something you play with. It's something you handle. Romans 8, 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and the children that heirs, and heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, we shall also be glorified together. 
So when you are born again, you receive the Spirit of God. You receive the Holy Spirit living on the inside. Now, there is something after salvation called the baptism of the Holy Ghost where it comes upon you. But when you're born again, you receive the Spirit of God on the inside. And Paul points out you didn't receive the spirit of bondage or the spirit of slavery to fear. So before you were saved, you had with you the spirit of slavery that attached you to fear. Everybody who's not saved has that spirit of fear operating somewhere in their life to keep them chained. He says, but you didn't receive that spirit when you were born again. You received the spirit of adoption. See, one of the things about adoption, what does it mean? You were chosen. You were picked. So Paul says, you didn't receive a spirit of fear. You received a spirit that says, hey, I was chosen by God. Hey, I've been picked by God. Hey, God loved me so much, he picked me. So think about it this way. On your worst day, when you're acting a hot mess and you know better, but you're so in your feelings like a Drake song, you're choosing to do the wrong thing. You're choosing to go the wrong way. You know all these bad things, and still you kept making the bad decisions. And he still chose you on your worst day. On your worst day, Jesus is like, I choose you, Pikachu. I'm still with you. On your worst day, he picked you. That's the spirit of adoption. I've been picked by God. I've been chosen by God. I've been loved by God. He loves me as much as he loved Jesus. He picked me. That's what I received. The Holy Spirit reminds me on the inside, I've been picked by God. I've been called by God. I've been invited by God. I've been chosen by God. God has a path for my life. God has a purpose for my life. God has a plan for my life. And he bears witness on the inside. I am a child of God. And if I'm a child of God, I'm an heir of God. I'm a joint heir with Jesus. Notice it didn't say sub-heir. Joint heir. So if Jesus gets it, I get it. Isaiah 53 and 54 says he'll divide his portion with the great. That's you. He'll divide his portion with the strong. That's you. Why? You're a joint heir with Jesus. Christianity is not about you getting what you deserve. It's about you getting what Jesus deserves. That because he was faithful to, and obedient to death. And Jesus said, the Father loves me because I'm bad enough to lay down my life and bad enough to pick it back up again. So they couldn't kill him until Jesus was ready. So I laid down my life and I got back up. And all those rewards Jesus gets, he said, I'm going to share with my brothers and sisters. See, you should read through the book of Hebrews sometimes. Because it says in the book of Hebrews... It says what God said to raise Jesus from the dead, but also says some things Jesus says about you. It says Jesus is not ashamed to call you his brothers and sisters. That he stands before God and says, that's my little brother. He stands before God and says, that's my little sister. You might think, well, I've done so many bad things. But in the mind of Jesus, he's not ashamed of you. He said, Pastor, you don't know what I did. No, no, no. He is not ashamed of of you. Why? He bore your shame. If Jesus bore it, you should resist it. 
He's not ashamed of you. You make a stand for him, he makes a stand for you. So stop being ashamed of yourself. Because when it's between you, God, Jesus, the Holy Ghost, and the angels, they ain't ashamed of you, so stop being ashamed of yourself. Live free. Shame is a chain. It doesn't belong to you, Christian. You've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. You've received the spirit of adoption. God's not ashamed of his children. Sometimes you have believers behaving badly. And as a result, they sold some bad seeds and they get the harvest they sowed. But have you ever noticed you can still come to God and say, God, I blew it. Please forgive me. And you're like, well, how can I do it if I blew it so big? See, although you may have messed up your fellowship with God, your interaction with him, you didn't change your standing. God has declared you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When you are born again, you were made righteous. You'll never be more righteous or less righteous than you are right now. Nothing you can do can change your standing. No matter if you fast for a whole year, and during that fast you talk in tongues every moment of the day, you even snore in tongues while you sleep, it's not gonna make you more righteous. Nothing you can do can change your standing, even if you acted a hot mess and you ended up on the news. And we all saw you like, ooh, did they really do that with the We Are Faith shirt on? <laughs> and now we have to expand a jail ministry to come see you. <laughs> you are still the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing you can do can change your standing. That's why when you blow it, you can still come to God. Because you have standing. See, the thing is, not everybody can stand in the court of a king, but other royalty can. Other royalty can sit in the place of a king, and you have a seat at the right hand. So the thing is, when you come into God's presence, you don't have to fall down saying, I'm unworthy, I'm unworthy. No, you screaming you're unworthy is an insult to the blood of Jesus. The blood has made you worthy. The blood has dealt with the shame. The blood has dealt with the sin. The blood has dealt with the iniquity. The blood has dealt with the transgression. The blood has dealt with it all. So don't you come before God saying you're unworthy. The blood has made you worthy. We already know you don't deserve it. That's why it's called grace, unmerited favor. I didn't earn it. I just believed it and I received it. So stop being afraid that God is looking to judge you. He's looking to bless you. He's looking to love you. You have to understand God punished Jesus so he would never have to punish you. Now, there are going to be people who are going to be punished in this life, but it's not because God wants some punished. It's just because they told God, no, I don't want what Jesus offers. But God is, is not interested in punishing you. You know, in Hebrew, the word for mercy is hased, And one of the ways you can define it is God's covenant determination to bless you. God is determined to bless you. God wants you blessed more than you want to be blessed. And so the thing is, you might say, well, why is the blessing delayed? Because you ain't been doing what you're supposed to do. 
But God has been doing everything he could to try to give the blessing to you. You think about all your random days when you're not acting right, but all of a sudden the right word happens to come across your email or your text message on your Facebook. You happen to flip the channel and the preacher's saying exactly what you need. God is doing everything he had to, even if he had to schedule this message to show up on this day in 2019 and do all these things to make you look in the right place. He did everything because he wants to bless you. He loves you. He loves you as much as he loves Jesus. So why be afraid of anything? Because anytime you choose and pick fear, it's because you don't believe how much he loves you. Because anytime you're saying, I'm not going to do what God wants me to because I'm afraid, you just said, I believe that thing has more power to harm me than God has ability to protect me. That's why 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect, mature, complete, full love, cast out, evicts, flushes out fear, because fear has torment. He that fears is not made perfect, mature, complete, or grown up in love. You must develop faith in God's love for you. You must begin to believe that God really loves you. John 17, 23 lets us know that God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. So you need to talk about it every day. You need to say it every day. God loves me as much as he loves Jesus. You need to rehearse it. You need to go over scriptures about the love of God. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You need to listen to messages preached to you about how much God loves you. Go over it again and again. Then he began to sing songs about how he loves you. Oh, how he loves me. You sing that song. But you can even go back to Jesus loves me, this I know. So go, Pastor, that's a kitty song. But you need that revelation from the kitty song. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. So he's like, well, why do Pastor Karen later always say Jesus loves us? Because you got to get it. He loves you. If you want to conquer at the end of the world, you have to know he loves you. If you want to know how to survive at the end of all things, no, he loves you. And believing that love pushes out the fear. Not just the fruit of the fear, but the root of the fear. He loves you. He loves you. You used to say that all the day. God loves me. 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 You may run into a situation that says, you know, I don't know all the details how it's going to turn out, but I know it's going to turn out good because he loves me. You may be new into standing on the word. It's like, well, I don't know what scripture to stand on. I don't even know how to stand on a scripture to say he loves me. So how do you know God's going to do it for you? He loves me. He loves me. Then take a little bit further. I'm his favorite. He said, Pastor, we're all his favorite. I know, but still you need to say, I'm God's favorite. See, my wife would mess with me. He said, when you say that, you make it sound like no one else is. I said, no, they are too, but I just know it. I'm God's favorite. What does that mean to me? He is prone to show me favor. That when I pray, God is looking to hear my voice. God is looking to hear my song. God is looking for me to show up and speak words of faith in his presence. I'm his favorite. He loves me. And I notice the more I say I'm God's favorite, the more confidence I have. When I face situations in life, 
because I've been talking about how much he loves me, how much I'm favored of his. So it doesn't matter what comes against me, I win. Doesn't matter the mountain, I win. Doesn't matter the giant, I win. Doesn't matter the diagnosis, I win. Doesn't matter what they say, I win. Doesn't matter what people lie about, I win. He loves me, period. That's how you have to talk. That's what you have to believe. It will push out the fear. It will evict the fear. See, 2 Timothy 1, 6 is, Wherefore I put you in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God, which is in you by the putting on of my hands. For God has not given us the spirit of fear or the spirit of timidity, but of power and of love and of a sound mind or of self-control. So know this as we begin to close. Having faith or believing is an act of the will. Having faith or believing is an act of the will. Choosing to fear or be afraid is also an act of the will. So after you develop faith in the love of God, it's now your choice. To be afraid is your choice. To act in faith is your choice. Will you be afraid or will you believe God? See, in Numbers 13, a few weeks ago, we saw how fear and insecurities kept the children of Israel from entering into the promised land. What has fear kept you from? What has fear denied you when you decided to stay in fear? What have you missed out on? What promise from God have you missed? What manifestation of goodness have you missed? What miracle, what breakthrough, what hope-filled expectation coming to pass have you missed because you've been afraid? See, the parable in Matthew 25, 25 lets us know that fear will keep you from using your God-given talents and fulfilling God's purpose for your life. Fear will keep you from going forward down God's path. You have to be like the Psalm 112 man. Verse 7 says, he shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. You need to fix and establish your heart in trusting in God. See, the more you spend time receiving scriptures about the love of God and talking about the love of God and growing in your relationship with them and growing in faith, when evil tidings come, because they come to everybody, you won't be afraid. John Osteen, Pastor Joel Osteen's father used to say, if you would put the word in your heart when you don't need it, it'll come out your mouth when you do need it. So you keep putting the word in your heart now, you may not be facing a major trouble. You know, it's, it's don't stand for healing when you get a cancer diagnosis. Stand for healing when there's nothing. Stand for healing when the doctor says you're in complete health. Build your faith in healing now before you even have a challenge. So when the cha if a challenge shows up, nah, I'm good. Well, Pastor, what if a challenge never shows up? Use your faith for somebody else. You should go over one healing scripture every day. Just like you would take vitamins every day, take a healing scripture every day. You know, I have my favorite healing scripture. Pick your favorite healing scripture. Look it in the scripture, say it out loud, and say, yep, that's mine. Take a healing scripture every single day like you take vitamins. Why? So every single day you're building your faith for healing. And if you somehow get something, Go over some more healing scripture. See, the word is the only medicine that you can't overdose on. And Proverbs 4 calls it medicine or health to your flesh. So go over the scriptures. You know, if I'm finding something, there were times I was telling the first experience a couple years ago, I had contracted some version of the flu when we had a couple years ago. It was a really bad uh, strain of it going around. And so somehow I caught it, but I didn't realize I caught it. It didn't make sense to me I had the flu because I don't get the flu. That just doesn't make sense to me. 
And so after Wednesday night, I went home. I wasn't feeling well. And I told my wife, said, hey, I'm going to stay in the other room and sleep out here because I don't want to be contagious. I don't want y'all catching anything. So I'm just going to stay here and listen to the word all night. So I started with um, a healing message from Sister Gloria Copeland. It was a healing service thing. It was about two hours, so I started it. You know, anytime, you know, sick or, you know, you have a fever, sometimes you come in and out of sleep. And so I'd wake up and go, oh, look, hey, it's Brother Coburn. Oh, hey, it's Bishop. Hey, what's up? Hey, Unc. Oh, Andrew Woman. What I'm doing, the words going in all night. You might say, well, how bad did it get? You know, I, I remember there were sometimes I was trying to walk across the room, but walking a few steps a little bit too much. So I had this rolling chair, and I kind of rolled myself to the refrigerator. And I rolled back. And I remember one time I was walking, I said, like, ooh, I'm about to faint. I need to hold on something. Now, it just hadn't clicked. Normally, I would have gone to the doctor, told my wife, it just hadn't clicked to you yet. But you know what? Less than 48 hours, it was all gone. Now, I said, you can't beat the flu in 48 hours. Well, I guess you can't. Now, I'm not telling you to don't take medicine and don't go to the doctor. I am a Pentecostal who believes in healing. I lay hands on the sick multiple times. The gifts of healing operate in this church. But I also believe in taking medicine because God put it on the earth for a reason. There's different ways God will heal you. So don't be afraid of having a surgery. If you need to have a surgery, have a surgery. God can heal you through doctors. Thank God for doctors. Because if it wasn't for doctors, a lot of the church would be dead already. Thank God for doctors. Thank God for medicine. Thank God for vitamins. See, this lifestyle of faith is not denying that medical science has anything to offer. The lifestyle of faith is God wants me healthy. God wants me healed. He has many ways he can do it. He can do it supernaturally. He can do it through laying on of hands. But because I believe or I have this lifestyle of faith where it concerns healing, that means not only do I stand on healing scriptures, that means I'm going to eat right. That if I really want to be healthy, that means I probably shouldn't have french fries every day. Or queso-covered burritos. See, I lived in Texas for four and a half years, and those burritos got me. See, I got to Texas a lot skinnier than I kind of, after a couple years, became. Because when I got to Texas, they said, oh, you're too skinny. We've got to change that. I'm like, why would you say that to me? But after those burritos got to me, you know, I began to, you know, enlarge my territory. <laughs> and I had to cut it back seriously. Like, I would come to the office with these burritos. And what do they call them? Uh, it was that Freebirds. You saw those burritos I used to eat. She's a witness to it. And they were monster size. And the thing is, what size is the monster size burrito? They're about this big. And it was filled to overflowing, because I believe in overflow. <laughs> and I'd eat all of it in one sitting. And then I'd get dinner later. So you know, that enlarged my territory. <laughs> so I had to cut back on it. Because I want to be healthy. If I really believe God is my healer and he wants me to walk in divine health, that means I need to eat right. It also means I need to exercise. Some of you kind of looked away on that one. It's like, Pastor, I'll exercise in January. No, you won't. If I believe that God wants me to be healthy, that means I'm going to eat right. I'm going to live right. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to keep my mind. And I'm going to stand on the healing scriptures. 
It's a lifestyle, not a moment. All of these things by faith. I eat healthy by faith. Everything I do is by faith because I believe God. See, one of the things First Lady wants to do with the women's ministry next year is, you know, we've been on a path of discovering certain things. Some of you know the testament with our youngest baby. They diagnosed her with all these allergies. And, well, thank God for the healing power of God and the word of God because we got some reports and they started going down. We walked into the doctor's office about a week ago. They were surprised at how good she looked. The doctor walked in and was like, whoa. And so one of the things, yes, we stood on the word. Yes, we've been healing scripture. Yes, we've been confessing the word and laying hands on her and believing God. But we've also changed some things we eat. We've always been pretty healthy, but we took it to another level. So First Lady's been on this discovery of, you know, she'd go to the farmer's market, come back with all these types of things <laughs> and put it together so, you know, it'll be even healthier so whatever allergen could have been in there, well, she won't even be exposed to. And so she's been on this path of discovery. She says, I just really want to change how we do women's ministry, and I want to share with the ladies next year. So that's one of the things she's working on. She wants to share with you some of the things she's learned. And so, like, one of the things recently that I really like, because, you know, I like French fries. Supersize it, value size it, biggie size it, whatever. I like French fries. You know, sometimes, you know, you drive by and you hear it calling to you. Well, at least to me. You drive by Chick-fil-A, and I just hear it reaching out to me. Sometimes on Sundays, I'm driving by that Zaxby's. It's the sweet tea first, but then followed by the French fries that cost me. But about these french fries, she found a way. She said, hey, I found this recipe. Instead of using potatoes, how many know you shouldn't have fried potatoes all the time? Some of you don't know that. How many know you shouldn't have fried potatoes all the time? She found a way to make french fries using cooking bananas. To what it tastes just like homemade french fries, like my grandma and mom used to make. And now that it's healthy for me, so well, how many times do you like I said, well, let's start at three times a week. We may need to increase it. Well, those are some of the things she wants to share with you ladies next year. Because living healthy is the choice of faith. I'll say it again. Living healthy is the choice of faith. And so it's not just saying a few scriptures. It's making the right decisions that back it. Psalm 3, let's begin to close. First one. Lord, how they increase that trouble me. Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which saith my soul, there is no help for him in God. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. I laid me down and slept. I awake for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. David has made a choice. It doesn't matter if ten thousands of people surround me. It doesn't matter if armies rise against me. I will not be afraid. And because I choose to not fear, I'll lay down, I'll go to sleep, and I'll wake up because the Lord sustained me. So I have a lot of scriptures here. I'm not even going to go over them for the sake of time, but you go over them and you stir your hearts concerning it so that your heart is fixed, so that your heart is established, so that when evil tidings come, it doesn't bother you. Psalm 27, verse 1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Who? Tell me who. Who? Who? If God is my light and my salvation, who shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies, my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. 
The war shall rise against me. In this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord. That will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. Wait a minute. He says, in the, he says I've made a decision not to fear. But when is the time of trouble? He will hide me. See, this happened in the life of Jesus. See, there's times where people try to kill Jesus. Not just when he was crucified. Jesus said he laid down his life, so they were able to crucify him. But throughout his ministry, they tried to kill him multiple times. Read through the gospel, especially the gospel of John. It says the crowd will go after him, and then it says Jesus hid himself. Now, how are you going to hide yourself when everybody's looking at you, rushing at you, and suddenly you disappear? Jesus was Batman before Batman. It says they looked for him, and they couldn't find him anymore. And other times that he hid himself in the crowd. Everybody's trying to get to him, but he's disappeared. Other times it says he walked through the crowd. Now, you don't just, you know, people are like, oh, well, they had reverence for him. You don't have reverence for the guy you're trying to kill. He just walked through them. Why? God hid him. You put him in the secret place, and they couldn't touch him. So David says, in the time of trouble, he shall hide me. So that's what you need to say. In the time of trouble, he'll hide you. So Psalm 91. See, that's one of the things Paul told us in Philippians 1. Don't be afraid of your enemies. Because if you're not afraid of your enemies, it's assigned to them of incoming instruction, but assigned to you of God and his salvation. Psalm 91, the secret place of the Most High God. Now, the secret place is not one location. The secret place is the will of God. And if you're going to do the will of God for your life, you can't be afraid. And see, I've, asked, I've had some great examples of fearless people. You know, one of the people she's been here before, she'll come again, Sister Billy Brim. Great blessing of life. I'm actually going to a prayer conference for a few days this week before I come back. And she smuggled word, the Word of Faith books into communist nations before the wall fell. She would go over and take Kenneth Hagin books and pass them out. She outran the KGB. She said, I was running down the tracks, and I fell down, and I hit my knee, and I got this bump there. You know, I could use my faith and get rid of it, but I consider it a trophy of I outran the KGB. <laughs> when I go preach in Bulgaria, I've been there twice. The people I spend time with are the ones who outwitted the KGB in the 80s. Now, they would have church in the wilderness, and they would change up location while the Holy Ghost told them the KGB couldn't catch them. And then someone else, she's been here before, she's going to come again, Sister Marilyn Hickey. One of the bravest and baddest women in the world. She goes into majority Muslim nations where they don't have freedom of religion, and she talks about Jesus. She went to Pakistan about a year and a half ago, two years ago. CBS went to document it. Not the Christian television station, CBS. And a million people showed up. And she says, next, I was listening to her brother Coben the other week. She says, yep, next I want to go to Saudi Arabia. You're like, you can't do that. Well, she can. Now, she's tried to get into Iran recently. And so she reached out to get into Iran, and they replied back, we know who you are. <laughs> she's like, I just want to talk to the university students. We're like, no, no, no. How can a nation be scared of a grandma? 
She's a woman of faith. And she says, oh, they may tell me no, but then she says, it's not over till I win. And she's in her 80s, saying, it's not over till I win. I got more stuff to do. Someone went to her and says, well, when are you going to retire? She says, I am retired. They says, but you still travel all around the world. She says, retiring is doing what you love, and I'm doing what I love. And she said she was going to Egypt. She said, so easy to have a healing meeting in Egypt. Tens of thousands of people show up, and Jesus just does wonderful things. He says, I go to these Muslim countries now, and the imams call me mama. They don't even believe in Jesus yet. But she's been saying for decades, I love Muslims, and Muslims love me. So they do. She has favor, unprecedented favor, not just with the nation, but with their leaders. And not just even overseas, she was talking about, she was at a supermarket, and there are these Muslim ladies in their hijab and their garbs. They come up and get closer. They say, we don't know why, but we just love you. She went to one country, I don't know if it was Pakistan or somewhere else. She arrived in the hotel, and the people checking her and stopped said, are you a Christian? And they said, yes, we're Christians. They said, good, we don't want to go to hell. Can you lead us to Jesus? But why does it happen? She was brave enough to do what God called her to do. You have to be brave enough to stand on the path God has for you and not be intimidated. Because a secret place of the Most High God is not a location. It's the will of God. The safest place you'll ever be is smack dab in the middle of the will of God. So whether God calls you to go to some dangerous place or he tells you to stay home here in Georgia, wherever you are, there's a secret place of the Most High God if you're in the will of God. So notice what God says in verse 9, because in Psalm 91, it's three people talking. Verse 1 is God. And he declares, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Verse 2 is you. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and him will I trust. So that means you need to say on a regular basis daily, the Lord is my refuge. The Lord is my fortress. The Lord is my God. In him will I trust. Now Jesus has something to say about it. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler. Doesn't matter what trap Satan sets. Jesus says, God will deliver you. And from the noisome pestilence, he shall cover you with his feathers, and on his wings shall you trust. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid. This is not just encouragement. This is a command from your commander-in-chief. This is a command from the Lord Jesus Christ, the supreme authority. He says, you shall not be afraid. When your general says, you shall not be afraid, your response is, sir, yes, sir. So let's try it. You shall not be afraid. You shall not be afraid. You shall not be afraid. This is a command. Get rid of the fear. Stop the fear. You shall not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow or the bullet or the missile that flies by day, nor for the pestilence that walks in the darkness, nor for the destruction that wastes at a noonday. A thousand shall fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. So even if it's happening to everybody else, it has nothing to do with you. He says, the news said this, and not in your house. 
If you don't know how to talk back to the news, maybe you should stop watching it. Well, it's flu season. Not in my house. Well, there's a recession. Not in my house. Well, you know, everybody's kids are going crazy. Not in my house. Just because it happens all around me doesn't mean it has anything to do with me. It goes on, only with your eyes shall you behold and see the reward of the wicked. You'll just be a spectator. Now, you can watch whatever game you want to today or this week. You watch the game, you may be emotionally invested in the game, but it has nothing to do with you. They win, you don't get a couple million dollar promotion. Your stats, even if you are in fantasy football, your stats are not gonna be celebrated around the world. It really has nothing to do with you. You're just a spectator. Things may happen all around you, but it has nothing to do with you. You are just a spectator. Because you have made the Lord, which is my refuge. You've made the Lord your refuge just like Jesus made the Lord his refuge. Well, how did I do that? You said, he is my refuge. He is my fortress. He is my God and him will I trust. When you do that, you've taken God as your refuge. Because you've made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, your habitation, there shall no evil befall you. Neither shall any plague come nigh your dwelling. Why? For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. Every single believer has at least, at least one angel. At least one. At least one. Angels aren't these naked Cupid babies that fly in the air with little arrows. These are mighty warriors. These dudes are strong. Psalm says they excel in strength. And you have at least one working for you, protecting you, helping you. But if you always speak words of fear and unbelief and doubt of what you see on the news, you're stopping your angel from working. Stop being afraid of your kids. Tell your kids angels to keep them safe. You plead the blood of them as they go out. And he said, they're coming back. Your angels are keeping you safe. Teach your kids to be aware that they have angels. Their angels are with them wherever they go. Your angel is with you wherever you go. And they respond to the voice of his word, Psalm says. Not just the voice of God talking. Of course they respond to God talking. But they said the voice of his word. So when you put his word in your mouth, angels listen to you. So put the word in your mouth and start talking. So your angels have something to work with. They shall bear you up in the hands lest you dash your foot against the stone. You shall tread upon the lion of the adder. The young lion and the dragon shall you trample under feet. Because, now God's talking again. Because he has set his love upon me. Therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high. Because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him. I will honor him with long life. Will I satisfy him? And show him my salvation. He said, well, you know what the doctor report said? Well, are you satisfied with your life? Oh, not yet. Then what does that report have to do with you? Are you 120? Well, no. Then what does that report have to do with you? If you don't like the report, don't take it. Yes, do everything in the natural. Yes, eat healthy. Yes, take medicine. Yes, if you need surgery, take, have surgery. But don't receive a negative report. Whose report will you believe? Now, we used to sing a song, we shall believe. 
the report of the Lord. His report says, I am. His report says, I am. His report says, I am. His report says, victory. Whose report will you believe? See, Luke 10, 19, Jesus says, Behold, I give you the authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing, nothing, nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notice Jesus said, I gave you authority. So if you don't use the authority, things will hurt you. But if you use that authority, it can't hurt you. You say, well, pastor, I've lost some things because of the attack of the enemy. Well, use your authority and get it back. See, when he talked about scorpions and serpents, these were things that were dangers to people's path in ancient times. So you can also talk about things that are trying to trip you up when you follow the path God has for you. But when you walk in that path and walk in your authority, it can't harm you. It cannot hurt you. It cannot injure you. Use your authority because no weapon, no weapon that is formed, the weapon will be formed. It may be fired, but it won't work. No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that is rises against you in judgment, you, you, you shall condemn. So you need to open your mouth and say, I don't agree with that report. So, oh, you don't know, this warlock said that. Well, don't agree. Well, the news reports said that. Well, don't agree. Well, they lied about me and said this. Don't agree. Open your mouth. You don't even have to tell the person. But in your prayer closet, say, I do not agree. I do not accept this. And the authority of the name of Jesus, I rebuke it. I curse those words to fail. They shall not come to pass in my life. The blood of Jesus is greater than those words. I will have what I say, and I say the word of God. I say I am healed by his stripes. I say thanks be to God who always causes me to triumph. I say I have wisdom. I say I have understanding. I say I have clarity. I say I live a long life. I say my marriage is prosperous. I say my kids are at peace. I say I live the life God has has for me what are you going to say when evil tidings come your way what are you going to say he said pastor you don't understand my knees are knocking and I've got cold sweat the fear is rising but while the fear rises make a decision are you going to give in to the fear or are you going to trust your knees may be knocking your body may be shaking you may be sweating a cold sweat. Open your mouth and say, I believe God. I trust God. God loves me as much as he loves Jesus. I have faith in God. Well, what about the doctor's report? Have faith in God. What about what they said on the news? Have faith in God. What about the economy? Have faith in God. What about the election? Have faith in God. Period. Have faith in God. Don't give in to the fear. And for the sake of time, closing here. Hebrews 13, verse 6, says, so that we may boldly say, the Lord 
is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. God is your refuge. He's your helper. Well, how much does God want to help me? He sent the Holy Ghost, the divine helper, the paraclete, the divine encourager, the divine strengthener to live on the inside of you to help you with the big things and the small things and in the all things. So don't be afraid. You say, well, doesn't the psalm say my help comes from the hills? Yeah, it did. Now he's on the inside of you. So don't look for help to come on the outside. Help's on the inside. You already received the help. So let him help you. Don't be afraid. Don't give in to the fear. Fear is an enemy. Fear is an open door to hell. Now, we looked at the verses, fear has torment. The only other time that word torment is used is to describe hell. Fear can bring hell into your life. Stop the fear. You might say, Pastor, but what if I die? Well, Christian, what if you die? You go to heaven. So your worst case scenario is going to heaven early, which actually is not that bad. But your best case scenario is bringing heaven to earth. You can't be afraid of dying. Why? Because if Jesus tarries, guess what? We all gonna die. If Jesus tarries a couple hundred years, we all gone. Right? So don't be afraid of death. Because for the believer, death is just a taxi cab to glory. Do you know there's actually chariots that escort you? That there are angels who escort you into glory? And even how you walk, sometimes even Jesus escort believers in? The scripture says precious is in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his saints. Sometimes we look at situations that have caused saints to die early, and we're concerned, and we don't understand that scripture. But the thing is, you're not looking from God's perspective. You saw them go out. God saw them come in. And that entrance is precious. You read in the New Testament, it says that God prepares an entrance for his saints. That when it's time for you to go, God has an entrance prepared. So it's not like you're walking through the gates like, oh, I'm here. Nobody knows I'm here. Oh, no, no. There's preparation made because you go home victorious. So don't be afraid of death. And if you beat that, everything else can't hold you because that's the master fear. If you're going to do what God has called you to do, you cannot be afraid of anything. Love everybody, fear no man. Get over the fear of people. Because they don't have a heaven or hell to put you in. Even Jesus said, it like, why be afraid of someone who can't throw you into hell? Reverence God, don't fear people. If you're going to, you say, well, people may not like what I do. And. You're not living for them. You're living for Jesus. You have an audience of one you need to focus on. Because when you stand before God, you're not, that person's not going to be standing there. So, well, God, I didn't like what they did. It ain't their business. When you stand before God, 
It's you and him at the judgment seat of Christ. Now, there is a great white throne judgment, but that's not for believers, and that's not the throne you want to end up at. For the judgment seat of Christ is for believers, and that's where God passes out rewards. Because you've made it that far. You're going to heaven. You're getting in. But if you just got saved and didn't really do what God has called you to do, you might have came to church. You might have been a good Christian. You might have prayed. Every once in a while, you got to heaven. But there's no reward for you. How sad would that be? I won't say sad, but how less would that be? That you're in heaven for eternity, but you got nothing to show for it. You'll get in, but you have no rewards because you are afraid to really stand out in faith and do what God has called you to do. Christianity is not the belief system for the cowards and for those who are dare to stand up and do what God has called them to do. We will all stand before God one day and give an account for how we live this life in the earth. And the thing is, all your sins and failures are not going to be brought up there because your sins and mistakes aren't counted in heaven. The blood has handled that. What's going to be brought up is where you told God yes. And maybe where you gave a partial yes. That's the wood, hay, and stubble. The partiality. Or where you did stuff that were good, but it wasn't what God told you to do. But what remains, Paul says, is the precious gems, the precious stones. Those are the things where you yielded to God. You know, the Bible also says there are crowns. There's five different crowns for believers in heaven. Now, they're not for you to get your crowns and just go stunning around heaven. Hey, look at this. No. You live this life so well. To receive a well done, my good and faithful servant from Jesus. And then he gives you a crown. But now you can join in with the 24 elders. And now you have a physical offering to cast at his feet that you got to heaven, you're so grateful. So now, Jesus, I got something I can put at your feet just to say, thank you. Just to say, you're worthy. Just to say, you're glorious. Just to say, you're almighty. Just to say, I, you love me so much, I live this life just to say, thank you. That you have these crowns, and when you get to heaven, you can worship Jesus with those crowns the ultimate act of worship that you gave Jesus your life is here's my life do something with it and he gives you the path that we're going to talk about in our next series to follow and then you follow that path see every reward you get is because you told God yes and that he gave you the grace to do what he told you so it's God working in you both to will and do of his good pleasure so every time you get rewarded it's because you let God do something through you how good is he that he's going to reward us for being his partner, that he's going to reward us for being his friend. He's going to reward us for being his children. It's time out for fear. It's time to follow the path that God has for us. I hope you enjoyed today's message. Thank you once again for tuning in today. Now, if you enjoyed the message, go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel, download our Faith Christian Center Georgia app, as well as follow us on social media. 
And if you want to partner with us as a ministry, you can text FCCJ to 73256. That's FCCJ to 73256. And you can give financially support this ministry and what we do here in the Metro Atlanta area as well as all around the world. Once again, thank you for tuning in today, and I'll see you next time.